The Witching Hour with Aaron Mazza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Todd Productions. My name is Aaron Mazza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey everyone, it's Aaron. I hope that you're all enjoying the new season so far, and I know you're going to absolutely love this episode. I got to have the wonderful Laura Tempest Zakroff, and this interview was a doozy to get done. Also, on a side note, yours truly has begun a Patreon to help support the show and help me be able to create even more content. Patrons will receive rewards from shoutouts and episodes to monthly readings with yours truly. And also, there will be a monthly live stream that is a book club. You can become a patron at patreon.com backslash Aaron Mazza. That is all one word, patreon.com backslash Aaron Mazza. Without further ado, here's the show, and I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, you already know where to find me on social media. Hey, Laura, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good right now. Jared made some really good old fashions, and I have to balance it out with some water so I can make sense to you and everybody who's listening to this podcast. I feel like I should have been sent one of these in advance. Oh, yep. We'll just ship one to you right in the tippy cup. We'll wrap it in some cellophane, but I don't think UPS is open right now. No, it's a sad thing. It's all right. I I have ginger tea. I'll just pretend. (laughs) Yeah, no, see, my family back home in Oklahoma City is having traditional Italian food. So Mm -hmm. I'm missing out. You're missing out. We are (sighs) co-sufferers. But we're together. We are together. That's all that matters. I will let you be my Italian sausage any day, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) So my first question to you is a question that I ask to most of my guests, because it's the one that intrigues me the most, is how did you discover witchcraft? Oh, boy. Like, I think witchcraft discovered me. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it'd be like that. Hmm. So when I was very young, I was very much into... All the nature spiritualities that I read, you know, like starting with Clan of the Cave Bear and yeah, I read that very young. (laughs) (laughs) Probably younger than I should, but that's... Early start. Yes, yes. And, you know, as my mother said, all they do is drink tea and have sex. I'm like, and and the problem with this is... Uh, (laughs) And your point would be... The reading about a lot of historical stuff and and different mythological things that happened in the Fertile Crescent and, you know, just basically around the world. I was like, oh, I wish there was something like this today. Then I found out that there actually was, that there were people who were doing things that there is. So my first main book that I picked up that I thought would be practical was Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler. And that to me was the proof Besides like all the things you saw in in search of and mysteries of the unknown and all that kind of stuff. Like I always thought that was cool and interesting, but these are real people. Like these are stories. They're interviewed by somebody from NPR being the nerd I am. And, (laughs) and of course it has resources in the back. And so I wrote to those folks and made connections. So then I found out like this does exist actually in the world and, and never look back. 
and the rest is history. So here, here we are. are, three books to my knowledge later, four if you count. We Are Aradia and your other one, Visual Alchemy, is coming up here soon. And we'll talk about that later. But one thing I've always wanted to ask you, but I've never thought to ask you in any times I've been around you, is how would you define witchcraft? Mm. I look at witchcraft as weaving the unseen. It is about making the connections between spirits and place and self it's kind of like when i think about witchcraft i think about similar to you is is i see it kind of like an art form on a side note everybody if and when because by the end of this episode you will want to go out and pick up the entire laura zakroff bibliography you'll notice that she does some art here and there and she mixes witchcraft with art. Do you see a difference between your practice of witchcraft and the art in which you produce? They are very much integrated. I feel that if I was going to define like what my specialty is, you know, witches have different things that they focus on. Some are herbalists, uh, some are healers, some are focused on divination, mediumship. For me, my primary form of spellcraft and communication is artwork. So whether it's investigating this or working with the divine that happens through my artwork. And I've noticed that it seems like to me, almost like your artwork is a nice cross section of divination and of protection magic and of healing magic. Cause more often than not, I have noticed a lot of that symbolism and various types of artwork that you have as a lot of your artwork adorns mm-hmm. the walls in my studio slash altar room. Yes. So if anything, I see your artwork as almost like that crossroads where art and magic meet. It sounds kind of like an advertisement for a big box retailer. It's <laughs> art and magic meet. Lord, this is that cross. It's actually sort of the promo for the next book because the visual alchemy subtitle, I think, was supposed to be, well, my recommendation was the intersection of art and magic. And I think it's called A Witch's Guide to Sigil's Art and Magic or I don't, I don't know. It's not out yet. It's not in front of me. <laughs> and I am actually ecstatic about that book coming out. I'm always poking around like on Llewellyn's website trying to see, do they have a release date for it yet? Can I look at the cover one more time? <laughs> Can I smell it? No, I'm just kidding. In a lot of your books, I noticed it a lot in, I can never pronounce this word, We the Lim- Limia? Liminal. Liminal. Yes, I was in speech pathology all day elementary school bear with me like i said two old fashions aren't helping my enunciations is that uh, you use the term modern witch or modern witchcraft is that defined as like a specific tradition or is that just your view of witchcraft in this day and age in general for as long as i i can go back and thinking about witchcraft in a formal active practice for myself modern traditional witchcraft is sort of encompassed everything because I look at what I do as tapping into the myths and the folklores and the traditional practices of the wide range of people who have made me up as, you know, I like to say I come from a long line of people who like to sleep with other people from different cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so taking a lot from that, but also recognizing that I am a modern witch living in America. My location has changed a lot over the last uh, 20 years. I've bounced across the country. And so my practice has to be informed by 
where I live and how I'm living and who's surrounding me. So that's that combination of pulling on tradition, but also looking at the modern contemporary aspects of where I am and who I am. And that's really cool because in your book, I'm just going to call it Weave the Liminal or because, you know, I always have, I have a, <laughs> I'm having issues with it at this point. You say that's how we got a lot of like the ancient traditions, like the Norse. We all started off in one area and then we kept the same types of gods and goddesses. And then they sort of morphed with the location that like we migrated to. Right. Right. So experiencing the horn god here in the United States and New England feels very different than tapping into that same entity if I'm in England itself because of the connection to the land and the stories and the people that have carried those myths along. So you, you get those changes and those migrations. We really are mobile. It's hard to say you know, people like get to, so tied to one place, but you know, I start tracking through just one line of my ancestry going through Italy and like, well, okay, well, you have these folks here that were near Benevento, but then you have these folks, the Romani that came from the Balkans who went from here that obviously go all the way back to Rajasthan. Like you, like where are people from and when are they from? Like, it's fascinating to see how things morph and change over time. So it's kind of like a true faith or in your, did I mention my favorite book is we'll just call it Weave is my favorite book. But yeah, I enjoyed Sigil Magic too, but Weave and Lemuel just like blew my scalp off. Oh. But it's just kind of a spirituality evolves. Spirituality is not meant to, that. this is what you conveyed to me, is spirituality evolves and transforms. And that's a sign that it is alive and it is not just dead, dry dogma because it has to adapt to survive just like people do. Right. It can't be pinned under glass like a bug. Exactly. It can't be contained in old dusty books. It's got to be lived every single day. But speaking of sigil witchery, was that your very first publication or did you self-publish before that? So my first book was The Witch's Cauldron from the Tool series. So that was book number one that came out in 2017. Sigil Witchery is January 2018. We the Liminal 2019. Oh, somewhere in there is The Witch's Altar, which I co-authored with Jason Mankey. I know that guy. Mickey! Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then of course the new Arati is in there too somewhere. And then we had the Liminal Spirits Oracle and Anatomy of a Witch. So we're up to, I'm somewhere like I'm like book, working on book number 10, but I, I forget like who's coming out and when. <laughs> you mentioned the new Aradia, which is, that was by Revlor Press, I do believe. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a collection of essays from during a certain person's administration, whom we will not name. Right. Was that just something that sprung up overnight during this whole debacle, which was him who shall not be named administration? Or is this something that was just sort of brewing with you for a while? What, when did you decide to bring this into reality? Magical resistances consistently become more and more part of my practice in the last six to eight years just for a variety of different reasons, but that administration is definitely a, a kickstart. And then clearly we're not free of it as we're dealing with so many issues right now. An assault on women's freedoms? Yeah, just, you know, that and trans lives and, mm -hmm. you know, all that, all the important stuff. We won't have a crisis about that. But what happened is uh, Jen Zart, who runs Revelor Press, we were both living in Seattle or the Seattle area and had connected and had one of those times where like an idea comes to you and it's usually 
enforce my spirit that's like, you need to do this thing. And I'm like, I, I don't have time to do this thing. How can I do this thing? It's never going to get done in time through traditional publishing. Uh, I got pushed to talk to Jen about it. And I'm like, Jen, I have this crazy idea of this concept and I don't know how to make it happen. And she's like, oh, we can make it happen. Uh, so it definitely came together. It was crazy because she was like away for a month or traveling and, you know, I was doing all the crazy stuff I was doing, but somehow we managed to collect, we collected, had so much material, but we had, you know, set it down to, I think the two dozen pieces that are in there that were the most powerful, the most relevant and consistent for the book. And we released, I think it was 2018, September 2018. So it was released in time for the election because it was a two-year, you know, the two-year mark at mm -hmm. that point. And we also, part of the proceeds went to Emily's List, which helps support women in politics, and I believe the Southern Poverty Law Center. So, That's so awesome because I managed to get my hands on a copy in 2019 or 2020. And I know that, that was the book that between everybody who contributed to that book, that is the book that really inspired me because I had my political opinions, but then I read that book and I thought, hey, it's literally do or die, just, just, right. just like it is now. And it inspired me to speak up. And I certainly hope that that publication had the same effect on other people. And I think, it, I like to think it kind of did. Mm -hmm. This political activism has never been so prevalent, especially in the pagan slash metaphysical community since then, in my honest, humble opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely been several publications, like Michael Hughes and David Salisbury had a few, each had a book that was focused on magical resistance. And because they're bigger publishers, they tended, they were getting the, um, more of the, the bigger hits, I would say. But still, New Aradia is definitely, it's almost like it's the underground publication. Uh, <laughs> the uh, it, publication. And, you know, it, it's definitely gotten around the world, especially for something that's not available as a digital format. So, you know, I know that Jed occasionally pokes me. He's like, so when are we doing the next one? Uh, <laughs> and I keep having these moments where I'm like, maybe we're not going to need it. Like, I would love to see the day where we don't need that book. Exactly, where it can just be retired to antiquity and it can be framed and put on my wall and sold on eBay for hundreds and hundreds of dollars <laughs> for classic manuscript. Like we're living in a utopia now, it's totally fine. But it seems every time I start thinking that way, then we take a severe wrong turn. That's just the part of my brain that's like, it would be nice if we were living in Star Trek, but we're not. So no. we're living in the temple of Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. We're discovering all the hidden traps. Yeah, or it seems more like the Last Crusade. I mean, we're definitely a whole bunch of Nazis in there, too. So it's like, fuck. <laughs> I try to forget them. I try to forget them like a certain relatives that I have, but they always just seem to pop up. Yep. Yep, we're dealing. It's, I always like to make the joke, kind of like what we're dealing with right now is, we, if you'll allow me to use the word, you're allowed to swear on this podcast, is that we already got fucked with the last administration, and now we're dealing with the herpes. Right? <laughs> right? It is. Yeah, it's a mess. So... I have had a few inspirations about a second volume, but it's it's just a matter of is it going to be is it going to be pushed by spirit again? But you know that first volume is still very relative and necessary, so it's just a matter of what else can we add to it. And I have a few different ideas. There are other voices that I really wanted to include, but they just timing it didn't work out for them. So I'm like, there's a few people I'd like. I'd really like you to contribute to this next thing. It's just a matter of okay, organize among the other 50 things. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, what was it? Uh, this is appropriate for you. It seems to be the cat wrangler. You gotta wrangle the certain cat. Yes. Meow. 
and it's kind of like a, what I've noticed through all of your publications, it's an aspect that I really, really enjoy about you is that we so much in the pagan and witchcraft community, we just make our own dogma, like the wheel of the year and always practicing love and light and stuff like that. But what I like about you is that you come along and you just make it less of a cinder block and you make it more of a more of a lump of clay and you make something that's relevant for yourself. I had not really seen that in any previous witchcraft books that I had picked up. It's like your version of witchcraft is one that applies greatly to me. You're definitely sort of a philosopher on metaphysics to me is take the aspects that mean a lot to you and use those to build a foundation for something to live in. If you'll let me use the analogy of a house. Oh, Michael, I'm all overclamped. Yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Are you going? Don't don't go church lady on me. Don't go my oh oh was it Michael Myers or Martin Short? I have my get my SNL <laughs> very confused. No, I'm um, just a little, a little Twitter painted. Uh, <laughs> I know I hit you with a bunch. Uh, the filters are off, honey, and it's, <laughs> such nice words to me. I'm just giving it to you a hundred proof right now. Oh, it's so. it's solid. I love I love me some whiskey and some bourbon. Oh, no, I can't do bourbon because then you'll see me on the news and I'll end up on a certain list. <laughs> no for about, future reference. Let's talk a little bit more about visual alchemy. Can you give us a nugget or a nutshell of what's going to be in this book without giving too much away? If you can recall right now, because I know you've had an extraordinarily busy weekend, just extraordinarily busy everything right now. Yeah, so visual alchemy is on one level, sigil witchery 2.0. It's advanced exploration of my sigil witchery technique and really design aspects to consider how to really make sigils and other kinds of art more, even more effective. Like now you got the process down, how do you fine tune it? But it's also very much deeply about art as magic and realizing the importance of art because we are unfortunately a society that claims to love art and then treats it like shit or thinks that it's exclusive that you know it's art art hanging on the walls when (laughs) art is something that has been with us since the dawn of civilization it's the reason why our brains are the way they are it's it's a survival technique it's a problem-solving technique it's a way to communicate it's a way to express to each other it's a way to flirt with each other it's all of these different things and i believe everybody can make art i hate the idea that art is sort of separated or taken away from society and said it's only done by these exclusive people because everyone can benefit from art and especially as a magical process as tapping into visualization and I'm not talking about that you need to be able to visualize in your mind because I know folks who have aphantasia don't visualize in the same way but they do perceive so it's that how do you tap into that perception and use that in ritual and in magic really to not only to manifest but to continually to create and explore your practice very true just to I'm just going to sort of piggyback off you, which it's kind of weird to think about you giving me a piggyback ride. And, so I'm like, <laughs> and I would, and I would probably smush you. Art also helps create, it creates your identity, not so much, maybe not so much create the identity, but it reveals, it's the most intimate revealing of who you are at your core and who people are as a culture. Do you, do you think that? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, art, art is the expression of the soul. And when I'm talking about art too, you know, even though the book is called Visual Alchemy, 
I also tap on to that dance and theater and music and writing and poetry, I, all of those things. What I'm talking about, he's like, what affects the senses, right? So yeah. what makes us feel, what makes us connect? Um, and there's still a visual response to all of those things, even if it's through audio, it's through sound, it's through sensation, it's through movement, all of those things. Yes, and it just, it does. It taps into the very core of our being. And I think the closer that we are to having an intimate relationship with art, the better we are as a society to ourselves and to each other. I can agree with that. Learning to know yourself in the most intimate way is one of the most powerful magic things that you can do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the thing I'm on right now is that your your body and your identity and embracing who you are and getting connected to yourself again is the most magical tool you can have. That's better than any wand, any afame, any chalice, anything you can get off Etsy. Connecting with your body and who you are in your soul and in your mind, getting those three things to work together is the most powerful ritual which you can do. That's the kind of stuff that changes worlds. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I, I just fell down a rabbit hole and I kind of like, I think I might stay here for a little bit. It's a good place. And so you've put out all of these books, you've created all of this wonderful art. What is on the horizon for you? Are you gonna be tr doing any more traveling? Are you going to be producing any more card decks or anything like that? What is next for Laura? Well, um, scheduled in terms of things being released, the next Oracle deck coming out this summer in August is the Anatomy of a Witch Oracle, which is based off of my last book, Anatomy of a Witch, uh, which is all about tapping into the body as our most powerful magical tool. But as an oracle specifically looks at where we are on our past, how do we build and craft our own past, building into ritual and magic and spells. So you have magical acts, you have the senses, uh, you have the seasons, the lunar and solar timing, you get all these different things put into a 48 card deck. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how that is because there's nothing else quite like it out there. Got to reserve my just reminded me. I just made a note. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. You can currently pre-order it on Amazon and other such sites <laughs> or preferably from your favorite bookseller. Then in October, Visual Alchemy is coming out. And the other project I'm working on right now is, is Uber Secret. So I can't really talk about that one. Oh, you're killing me. I'm sorry. As <laughs> soon as I can talk to you about it, I can talk to you about it. But until then, I just... I'll let you know first. And uh, you heard it here first, everybody. I'm holding her to it. This is a verbal contract. <laughs> and meanwhile, like things are starting to, to kick off and kind of tentatively going, are, are things opening up? So we just did, well, we did Paganicon back in March. So that was like our first big event as the world opens up again. And then this last week, we were in Louisiana for Wildfire Beltane Hunt, which is the first time I did that event. That's kind of a, out there in Springfield, which is between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. There's and a I, Springfield, Louisiana? I know, right? It's, it's very hard when you're trying to figure out what the weather is because it wants to give you every other Springfield but the one in Louisiana. And then I got my two days, just two days into New Orleans, which is a city that's in my blood as well. And it was good to be back because as a city I dream of often, like it's always like, hey, hey girl come on back when you coming back i'm like i know i know i know there's just been a pandemic on no big deal no big deal no big deal at all 
And then here in, well, Massachusetts, in a few weeks, we have Rites of Spring. And then quite a few, honestly, longer term here, we've got doing INATS, which is the International New Age Trade Show, which, Ooh. yes, it's, it sounds very fancy. But over the summer, Mystic South in Georgia, you should come to that. David Salisbury, that questionable guy, David Salisbury, is going to be there at Mystic South. Yes, and, and some other fabulous people. So, yes, Mystic South in, in Georgia. I'm doing a Tarot conference, but I'm actually attending that in Salem. I'm like, I'm doing a thing where I actually get to attend the thing and not work it, which is a rare and gorgeous treat. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. Um, I'm doing Temple Fest in New Hampshire. It's going to be a one-day event in August. With that Penzac guy? Yes, with the Penzac guy, with, with my fellow Zach man. Uh, <laughs> I share the Zachness. And then I'm doing a little tour in September. There is, oh my God. You're coming to see me for my birthday, right? Yes. Yes, if we make that happen. Doing an event in Ohio, and I feel like I'm going to get the wrong name, but I'm pretty sure it's called Free Spirit Gathering. Check my website for sure. But we're touring out to Ohio for that. And so we'll be doing a few stops, like in, all, I think, Albany and Buffalo and hitting Pittsburgh on the way back. But the exciting thing, the exciting thing about that, too, is the original art for the Anatomy of the Witch Oracle will be up and opening at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft in Cleveland. Gosh. I know, Rick. I'm so excited, except I have to frame a lot of pieces of art. But that is, I think, September, where's my calendar? September 25th is the official opening so that. you'll have time to stop by st louis my birthday is on september the 12th oh, I uh, oh wait i won't be in t- I, I don't think i'll be in town for that because i'm going to be down in oklahoma city hosting my own thing in little oklahoma city nice well, you should come up to free spirit <laughs> i should try to talk jared into going to uh, mystic south oh yes I have to say my favorite events are the ones that are in hotels. It's beautiful to be out in nature, but I really love indoor plumbing. Me too. <laughs> I love But I then love. again, you don't feel more alive until you're uh, pooping over a bucket. I will say that. <laughs> it's a, it's a say, workout I, for your I, butt. I and definitely make a bad pagan. I make a great witch, but I'm a bad pagan. I'm just You and me both. I was not built to live without air conditioning and indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. I like to think myself think of myself as a modern pagan, but if I have to poop in a bucket, I think I've earned that merit badge. <laughs> yeah. Welcome well, to the witching hour, everybody, where sophisticated conversation is constant. Uh, you know, it's about transcending the things about the body, right? Except for, you know, just that amount of sunscreen that you need and then dealing with fire ants. And then the fun thing about Louisiana is what I call the danger worms, which are the caterpillars with the fur on them that are prickly and will sting you. And it is not fun. Are they red and black? Yeah. There's, so there are five varieties in Louisiana. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I'm, I met at least four of them and had personal contact with the worst one. So that's why I don't leave New Orleans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I heard they were just really bad this year that they're even dropping from trees there. So I'm like, what the fuck? How can you have something so cute and fuzzy be so terrible? Yeah. It's fine. That is a very good question. It's fine. I'm good. I'm good. Tell all these uh, amazing people, just in case they've been living in a broom closet or out in a swamp, where can they find you and your wonderful pieces of art? And anything else that you do, we're at on the World Wide Web. 
probably the easiest place is lauratempestzacroft.com, which is my author site and it shows you my classes and events. And that will get you to my shop, which is alchemysquare.site. Or you can find me on Instagram, alchemy.arts. And alchemy is spelled O-W-L-K-E-Y-M-E because I am a dork and I love owls. Oh, yeah. I have a friend who you would really enjoy hanging around with if you ever make it to St. Louis again. Me and Jared will have to take you and Nathaniel out to the Wild Bird Sanctuary. That's all I'm saying right now. Oh, I miss St. Louis. It's been our dear friend, Carrie, used to live in St. Louis. uh, So we would go there a lot. But now she lives in Florida. Actually, our other friend, Amy, is moving, moved to Kentucky. So it's like a lot of the folks, there's still folks I love, of course, you. Like me. Yes. But like our anchor spots, like a lot of the events have moved as well. So, but I know Pathways there is great. So hopefully once we are able to tour more, get on the road for a little bit longer, we'll be able to get through and have a good visit. Yeah, it'd be really great to get to see you again and be able to Tell everybody in the St. Louis community when one of my bestest friends in creation is going to be in town. I mean, if you need to make a side trip down to Oklahoma City and come to Craig's Curious Emporium to come see me for my little thing, that would be pretty cool. I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't think you've (laughs) ever been to OKC, have you? You gotta come visit New England. Uh, The farthest I've been up that direction is Baltimore. And I went and hung out with that David Salisbury person. Yep. I'm scared I might fall in love and not want to leave because I'm one of those people that goes on vacation somewhere and I'm like, I could see myself living here. And then I get on Trulia and I start looking at all these houses. I'm like, wow, houses are really expensive. Yeah, well, that area, it's a very interesting area. And of course, everything is strange real estate right now. But that is definitely the Mid-Atlantic. The Mid-Atlantic <laughs> is very particular. It's not New England. It's the Mid-Atlantic region. It's kind of like David told me. He's like, I think most people have a Mid-Atlantic accent. And I'm like, What's a mid-Atlantic accent? Like, what does that sound like? And I'm out there and people are like, oh, uh, you, that people most think from like the deep south and then I have to correct them and say, no, it's the mid-south. We're Texas's ugly cousin. We're Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) And see, my problem is that wherever I am for long enough, I will start picking up the accent, like, boom. Like in Minnesota, I was like, oh, sure. Uh, And then very easy to pick up the Minnesota accent. And just a couple of days in Louisiana, I had definitely slipped back into his Southern accent. Oh, mercy. And they're 10, (laughs) they're 10 points to the sigil. They're like, what? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Aren't you from New England? (laughs) So, you know, originally from Philly, which is why I say water. But I said- What did you say? Wooter? Wooter. Wooter? Oh, okay. Understood. W-D-E-R. That's how it's properly pronounced. But I spent high school years in South Carolina. Oh, mercy. So that that kind of imprinted upon me. So I do come by my y'all naturally. <laughs> so I don't have to judge you subtly anymore because because now I know that aspect of you. It's true. <laughs> I, it was a very highly de- de- developmental time. Words are hard. Words are fucking hard. I can agree with that. Yeah. But I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today, and I was super excited to hear about all the new stuff that's coming out, because a lot of stuff that you talked about was news for me, and I have to inform the rest of the Laura Tempest Sackroff fan club that she has no idea about. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret society. Your fan club is a secret society. Oh, I love you all, secret society people. <laughs> if you make it down in time, you can just be here in time for the goat sacrifice. Oh, oh, 
know. I'm just kidding. No, no goats were harmed in the reverence for Lord I, I hope the goat sacrifices were like giving things to the goats, like that they enjoyed eating and cuddling them. Well, it's more like we eat goat cheese and just don't tell David Salisbury, and then it's vegan goat cheese. Oh. But anywho, I really enjoyed visiting with you with Laura. I have to get off here before I get myself in trouble. You can find Laura on her website she named earlier. Pick up books. You can find it, the new Aradia, my favorite, Weave the Limial, Sigil Witchery, The Anatomy of a Witch. Just go out and pick up the whole bibliography. Enjoy yourselves. And Laura, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I can't wait to give you a hug in person soon. I know. I'm going to pick you up and put you and Nathaniel in an airplane spin. Woo! Sounds All good. All right, honey. We'll talk to you later. All righty. See ya.